welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I am one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the Quandrix prodigy himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? Tired. Always tired. I'm an old man. How are you? I'm good. I am also an old man, but the, the, the kids keep me young. That's, a, that's the reason I still teach. They keep me hip and fresh and, and other weird timed statements. So, yeah. Just a long week from your end? Uh, no, I just only got like four four or five hours of sleep today, but I was woken up at least once an hour. Ugh. Right, by the dogs, I'm guessing? Uh, trash day, mm. people playing at the park across the street, dogs, you know, whatever. Whatever felt like bothering me that time. Jeez. That's miserable. They will hopefully get some, some sleep after this. I know you were um, earlier doing... With that 90th MTG? I think you were on that there this week? Yep. Uh, took a quick L. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it actually wasn't that quick. I mean, it was fine. These things happen. Uh, were you playing, like, a, uh, a Depths variant? Yeah, I was playing Green-White Depths. Um, okay. Not the best showing for the deck. Ended up losing to uh, Peter Vanderham on Blue-Red Delver. Okay. Uh, showing off, actually, one of the cooler new cards. Not from Strixhaven, but I think it's from command like the strixhaven commander things i don't know there's there's a lot of products mm-hmm. uh, but Layla, the, I, I don't remember what its title is but it's like a three mana two two haste card and uh whenever it attacks you exile the top card of your library and you can play it until end of turn and then whenever you exile a card from your library or graveyard uh you can one or more cards rather you put a plus one plus one counter on it so he's oh. playing Blue Red Delver with like Relics Main and then playing that as kind of a source Ooh, of card advantage. I like that. Yeah. Like the Relics hate on Uro, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of everywhere. And in my case, hated on Elvish Reclaimer and Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, you know, you just attack with it and all of a sudden it's this 4 4 haster out of mm-hmm. nowhere. It was, it was pretty good. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's always one of the decks I think gets so many like weird upgrades whenever a new set comes up it's like specifically the commander sets like i know obviously um just like thing right delver in general i guess um like you consider things like uh true new nemesis right like that's, that's a, obviously a big one but even like the uh Thero forager is a huge upgrade from one of those commander sets um it's good that you get to continue that tradition of getting weird powerful upgrades uh to blue red decks yeah, I mean, I don't know if it'll stick around or not. It looks pretty good there, but you do have to... I think you have to build around it. Like, I don't think you want to play it without the Relics. Mm-hmm. So, like, if Relic isn't good, I don't think you want to play it. And, like, you have such a limited amount of space for 3-drops in your deck, but you also have so many powerful 3-drop options. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vendillion Click, Hole Breacher, Brazen Borrower, this card, True Name Nemesis, Narset, yeah. like, well, Bone Crusher Giant. Like, there's just so many options. Well, you don't have to necessarily play that, right? You could play something like, um, what's I can't remember the the Delph Bell, the um, the red one that deals five damage. Yeah, Magmatic Channeler. Yeah, or yeah, I, yeah. I was thinking about that, or not Channeler, not Channeler, uh, but Magmatic Sinkhole. Sinkhole, yeah, here we go. Yeah, um, so I was thinking yeah. about that because I used to play that card and Relic in the main deck of Standstill. So I was like, mm-hmm. do I want to play this card in there? Then I was like, this is more of an aggressive card. Like, so I want to play an aggro y card in Sandstill. Like, that doesn't necessarily make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, but, I was say, doesn't Forger also exile the cards from the graveyard? Yeah. So, like, that's a combo there. 
at least still being able to exile some stuff. I could, I, could, I could imagine having legs um, long term. Obviously, it'd be much better if I had like a, like a two mana creature that I, I could attack and exile my cards one at a time and maybe cast them from the graveyard. But like, I don't know. So I, I was actually wondering about that. I don't think it works with like something like Dreadheart or Arcanist. I'm not positive, but since the card goes from the graveyard to the stack oh. and then it's out from the stack, I don't think that works. Okay. I, hmm. I haven't looked into it, so I can't give a definite answer, but like off the top of my head, it doesn't doesn't seem like it should. Okay. Because hmm. I was thinking that would be like gross if you could just like Snapcast oh. or Mage something back. Oh, so good. So much value, yeah. Hmm. No, I get, I'm well, a Snapcast or Mage. <laughs> I, do, I do too. I still think that that's one of the cards that there has to be a, a good shell for Snapcaster Mage somewhere in the format, and we just haven't figured it out. Like, nobody seems interested in finding it. I actually saw a cool Snapcaster Mage list uh, in Legacy this week, oh. and I, I'm i generally very good about seeing something and saving it to my phone or my desktop or whatever, and I mm. don't think I did this time, and I'm, like, really bummed because it actually had a lot of neat things going on, and I want to go back and try it, but I have no clue who posted it. I did play against something I've been... I don't know if you've been doing this too, but I, the Manitrators event this month is Legacy, so I've been trying to queue for that. Um, and I did get to play against like an Esper deck that was playing Snapcaster Mage, Unearth, and the uh, Monastery Mentor. And Oh, yeah, the Kalim deck? The deck, mm -hmm. uh, so I haven't really been playing the Manitrader series. Okay. Um, I played one match, but I'm, I'm in no hurry. I actually am busy that weekend, oh, so okay. like, this is going to be just whenever I kind of feel like playing a deck, but don't feel like playing a full league, like I'll just jump in and just kind of mess around. Sure. Um, that's basically what I use the Mana Trader League for. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I did play a league yesterday and both of my last two opponents were on that Esper deck. And then um, Chris, who actually runs 90s MTG, mm -hmm. played the third round today and he was playing it. I mean, they were playing uh, the Queen's Gambit, which is like an updated version of the Asper deck that plays Queen Marchessa. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Lynn Chalice, who put in the work <laughs> on that. Uh, I, I'll let you finish, but I, I have a Lynn Chalice uh, anecdote. Uh, no, I mean, that's it. Just shout out to him. He put in the work. Uh, Lynn Chalice uh, thrashed me last night, by the way. I was playing Hogak, and they opened up on um, Mox Land... Uh, Sylvan Library. I was like, oh, I'm safe. And then they killed me on turn three with a, <laughs> <laughs> with a Merit Lage. I was like, well, that's cool. Uh, and then I was like, okay, well, game two will go better. It did not go better. It was the same, it literally saved me that game. I just died on turn three. It's like, I don't know what happened, but all right. Yeah, so uh, Lynn Chalice, real name Shuin, uh, is a noted blue aficionado, mm -hmm. but he got sick of losing the cloud posts and zombie strategies. Oh, no. <laughs> so he messaged me like two two or three days before the, I think literally like two days before the showcase challenge. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think he messaged me Thursday and was like, hey, can Green White Depths beat these things? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to try to learn it. <laughs> and then just, you know, I got a flood of messages talking about this and that and changes, so... He is now super high on green white depths. Yeah, like and obviously, like I'm a big fan. Of, I think the deck's really sweet. Um, but I was kind of banking on Lynch Chalice playing a blue deck. So my hand I was like, man, I'm like golden. I was not golden. That was really disappointing. 
Because um, once again, I, I I've been loving Hogak, and you know we talk about that every every couple of weeks. But um, the I played against two green white depth and one uh, green black depth, and I'm like that matchup is just so abysmal. Um, we're everywhere. Every, yeah, every we're we're in the ceiling. We're in the floor. We're below the ice. Um, so it was just like a very difficult um, challenge to try to overcome. I did end up beating. Um, a lot of different, you know, um, stompy strategies, things like that. Um, which I think actually, did you get to watch the video I posted on um, our YouTube channel? Uh, I have not gotten the chance yet, but I, I do plan to check it out. Okay. So one of the matches, um, I think maybe two of the matches actually, are against like Mono Red Stompy. And like, I actually did have some good games there. Um, but yeah, it just a green-white matchup is so abysmal. I, I it, Once again, I think in every... Format. I could be wrong too, but I think in every format there's always a graveyard deck that just gets like pub stomped by uh, <laughs> green white decks. Yeah, I mean that's the way it should be. So, <laughs> um, also I just want to throw out there. You mentioned Stompy, the card we were talking about earlier. Layla would possibly be a good addition to that deck. Just kind of a source no. of card advantage. Mm-hmm. You can very easily play it on like turn one or two off of like you know Ancient Tomb Chromox. Yeah. They already have some very good threats, so, like, I don't know if it actually replaces them, but, like, that deck, I think sometimes it does this thing where it goes kind of all in on one or two threats, and then it gets killed, and then you just don't have anything. So it's nice having something that leaves stuff behind. And I know the goblins leave stuff behind, but, like, mm-hmm. then your opponent just plays, like, a Plague Engineer, and yeah. it all crumbles. I was going to say, does, so with this card, is it a... Do you get a counter every time you exile a, a card? Yeah. So, like, does me plusing Chandra give me a counter? I don't know. It's not... It's specifically from Graveyard or... Actually, Graveyard or Library. So, yeah, you plusing Chandra would give you a card. Okay. That's actually sick. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, maybe that's something then. I know we have a lot of a lot of listeners, a lot of friends that play um, Red Stompy deck. So, maybe that's something to check out once uh, that comes out that's available. Um, I know they did mention that they were going to have the similar kind of production delays with um, some of the cards, which hopefully won't be a, a big issue long term. Uh, I know they had some issues with some previous sets, too. Uh, see, I hadn't heard about that. Uh, I wonder how much of that is Corona, and I wonder how much of that is them just trying to fix the foils, actually. Yeah. Um, somebody posted, uh, you know, they got their hands on on, Strix, on their Strixhaven stuff, and they set all their foils aside and left them in a pile for like a couple of days and they came back and like none of it was warped. Oh, wow. So it does seem like they uh, have upped the quality. So I don't know if that has anything to do with the production delay. But yeah, like I know, um, I know the secret layers got delayed a bit too. Mm-hmm. Which I'm, I'm overall, I'm happy with. Like I think trying to sell a, a product, especially something like the secret layers, like you're, you're putting so much money into it already and you are getting it initially for like a good cause. A lot of them, like I know they've done um, like the black is magic, for example, is helping um, girls girl through code, right? Like I think that's really cool. Um, and you don't want to leave a sour taste taste in your mouth when people are literally giving you money to donate to a good charity like that. So I'm glad they're taking a little bit of responsibility and slowing the product down. If it means we get a better product overall. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. But also, like, if you if you are, I guess, not bothered by the foils, uh, you can definitely get some, like, really, really choice um, cards in foil for, like, a dollar, two dollars more than their non-foil counterparts, which is really crazy right now. 
Yeah, I actually don't remember if I got a foil or non-foil copy of of that secret lair. And now I'm curious. I'll be interested to find out when it shows up. Yeah, I got the non-foil. I, I don't be... know. My, my whole thing is I'm just planning to frame it anyways. So oh, yeah. I wonder, like, I'm sure I thought about which I thought would be better looking, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not sure what I thought at the time. Hmm. Probably actually the foils, but I have a feeling that's not what I did. <laughs> I, I would assume with the foil, but I mean, I can imagine the, the non-foil too, especially if you're, depending on how you're mad at it, like, if you're going to put it behind, um, like, museum glass anyways, um, you're going to lose some of the foiling because of, the, or some of the shine off the foil because of the glass, so maybe, like, just getting the non-foil is a, is a fine call. I think it's a, it's a preference anyways. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know. I just want it to show up. Uh, hopefully it looks nice. Uh, the dream is eventually... This is like a couple years away. I'm talking, but like mm. I don't have a finished basement right now. Eventually, we're gonna finish the basement, and then like behind me, I want to have, um, you know, I just have a couple magic pieces. So like I just want to hang them up on the wall, and that's gonna be one of them. It's my goal. I think it'd be cool. Like I think that's a cool thing. I still have my um, All Hallows Eve. That is it's just a print that's signed by uh, Christopher Rush that I want to want to hang up somewhere. It's supposed to go in this room. Um, I'm not sure where though, but I'm pretty sure I won't be able to have it in the background while streaming because I'm. I think you know this. The uh, listener probably don't know this. I'm in. I'm in our guest room, and behind me is the the guest bed, so I can't have the um, picture like over the bed. That seems weird. I, I would rather have it in front of me so I could see it. I guess, but uh, we'll figure that out eventually. You could have it. Yeah, for me, I have um, a couple years ago. I don't even know how many years ago it was, uh, but. SCG was running uh, states, mm-hmm. and for each state, they printed like a giant oversized card that was made like just for that weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, they printed, well, I guess they printed two for each state that was having it because they printed one for modern and one for standard. Um, and I wasn't even playing in the event; I was judging. But uh, we gave it away as a door prize, and the player who won it was like, "I don't know what to do with this," uh, and I was like, "I don't know." Uh, like you can hang it up and he was like well I have a small apartment I don't have room for it I was like give it to somebody who's made like a difference in your magic playing career like give it to like a mentor or like your favorite judge who you're thankful for or like anyone and he was like okay and then he handed it to me he was oh. like, really you're nice. running all the events around here so here you go I was like, cool <laughs> that's really nice oh man yeah I'm hoping yeah I mean I think having a cool like, designated space to, like, play Magic, especially since we're playing so much Magic online. Like, I don't think if this was, like, two years ago, you know, I would I would care as much. But, you know, the last year I've been playing 98% of my Magic in front of a computer. Um, so I think it's I think it's important to be able to have a nice space where I can feel, like, at least in the, in the zone, as it were. Well, I mean, that number is likely going to drop some with events opening back up. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we signed up for that Legacy Pit event, which I think I'm actually really excited for. Yes, looking forward to that. Um, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. I, I wonder if it sold out, because I, I actually didn't see anywhere. I know, like, about 30 minutes later, they posted that they still had a couple spots open, which mm-hmm. was kind of surprising to me. Um, but, you know, it's been a while since then, so I assume it's sold out. I assume it's sold out, too. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I saw a lot of, like, big names uh, who are planning on going. Which is yeah, super exciting. Um, it, There's people flying from like Europe to come to it, which is really? actually absurd. Yeah, that's 
That's crazy. I mean, like, I'm, I'm obviously very happy. Um, they, and one thing that it just seems like it's the only show in town, um, for right now. Like, I think it's the only people who are putting up an event. I know there, we talked about an event in our chat. It's like a, a smaller event, like a month before. Um, but, um, I think, so as of nine hours ago, they had 225 tickets sold out of, uh, a cap of 300. So, hmm. uh, decent amount left. But I mean, anyone who's listening, there's still time for you to sign up. Go, hang out, have some fun. Uh, you know, we'll be there. Mm -hmm. I assume there will be lots of people. Like, it's, I think it's only a one day event, but like, they have the hotel block for the full weekend. So, I would almost guarantee that there will be people just hanging out, playing magic for like the next day or two anyways. Yeah. I'm not sure how, I, I assume you and I will probably only go down for a day, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll my, talk closer. Yeah. And like we can, I think my plan ideally, I guess would be to get a hotel the night, the night before that way we can just like chill down there. Um, we can play that day and then we could, we would go home, but I wouldn't necessarily mind, um, staying for a second day, if assuming the wife isn't um, wildly opposed to it, if she's slightly that opposed is to like it. literally the exact conversation I had with my wife yesterday. Yeah. Um, since I have not gone to magic tournaments in a while, I have free reign to do whatever I want. Since like we don't have kids, and mm -hmm. uh, I have <laughs> I have such an insane amount of PTO, so like yeah. I can kind of leave work whenever I want. Um, yeah, that's what that's what my deal is too. Like I have. PTO built up, um, so like have taking one day off isn't a huge deal if I want to leave, leave um, Friday in the day. Um, and with once again, I think that's I guess part of the goodwill. I guess because you and I normally in, in a normal year would be uh, I don't want to say traveling. Probably, I mean you I guess a little bit more than not me, but I think I would normally be traveling maybe like eight to sixteen weekends during the year. Um, you're probably closer to 20, 24. I don't know if I'd say that. I try to hit like one big event a month and then like one local ish event. Okay. Yeah. I my, mean, I, I try to do more, but like, yeah, but, you know, reasonable. Well, my, my thing is too, I, the traveling is difficult, but my wife doesn't mind me playing. So there was a lot of weekends where, you know, out of, you know, 52 weekends and 104 days, I would play something like, 60 events, something like that. And they wouldn't all necessarily have to be huge events or, you know, PTQs or things like that. But, like, a lot of them were PTQs and a lot of them were, um, you know, PPTQs and stuff like that. Or they'd be uh, even, like, a game day or, like, a, a draft somewhere. Like I was, Dude, I miss PPTQs so much. Like, oh I know gosh. I'm in the minority there. No, like, I, I agree. Yeah. It's such a good system for me. Uh, mainly since I was bronze and didn't have to play them, and I just got to show up, judge them all, hang out with friends, feel no pressure, but still be around magic. And then just like at the end of the day, I'm up, you know, however much money they decided to pay me. Well, the other thing too is like, I mean, from my perspective, it was something similar, right? Like I would play in as many as I could. Once I won, I would be like, oh, I can judge this one if you need me to. I can be a standby judge if you want me to, you know, before I got qualified. And that just gave me a lot of flexibility. Um, but I think the, the big thing with the PT, PPTQs is it introduced you to so many local players who were, like, just, who were, like, rising stars, like, in your local community that you just didn't know existed. Um, and I, I can't remember his name. I feel really bad. I want to say his name was Ethan um, from, I know he plays at... Um, the store that was that was down the street from you. I can't remember um, 
what his last name is. I want to say his name was Ethan. Do you remember him talking about? I mean, you have given me no details other than this might be his name. So, um, we were. I played him in a PTQ, a PPTQ top four at um, the the Phoenixville store. He uh, tall, blonde hair. Yeah, you're talking about Ethan. Ethan, okay. Um, but once again, before that PPTQ, and if I didn't go to that PTQ, PPTQ, I never would have met him. Um, I talked to him. We had a really good conversation about um, what to do with Team or Energy, um, different like little things you could do, how to sideboard. Um, and I think at that point, I, I'm a much more experienced player than he was, and I, there's a good chance he got more of the conversation than I did. Uh, but I still learned a lot, and like I, you know, I, we teamed up with him for future events. Um, so it was really good to be able to meet him at least. So I, I think that's the thing I really miss about PPTQs. Um, the PTQ system, like. I know people love the PTQ system, but I kind of hate the fact that it's just like random regional ringers. I like I, I kind of like the idea of like having the PP the RPTQ be that one event, um, but it be small and intimate instead of having quote unquote random show up. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I mean, I, I definitely agree. But the smaller events really did foster a local scene, um, and like. I, I can't really testify for PPTQs I wasn't running, uh, mm-hmm. but like I know at mine, uh, the atmosphere was generally pretty lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's also like the kind of event I try to run, like a crack jokes during my announcements and stuff. And like, you know, I like mess with, like, assuming it seems like the players will receive it while I mess with them. I obviously don't <laughs> mess with somebody who's like being 100% like stone face serious, like, you know. Um, but like I, I try to keep a light, light uh, atmosphere, and like you know, since a lot of the players in the area knew me, like they'd come up and talk to me between rounds, and then all of a sudden now they're talking to each other, and then they're at tables talking. To, like I, I really did like that. Mm-hmm. I miss that. I know a lot of judges hated it because they felt like there was so much pressure to run these events, and they're yeah. like, well, it's so much of a strain. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just cynical or a bit of a dick. I was like, I have no problem just telling a TO that I can't do it. Like yeah. they should have planned it out in advance. Like. To me, uh, the faults had more to do with bad TOs than it had to do with uh, any flaws with the system. Like, they should have just been prepared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the our and one thing for our area, because it's the only thing I can talk about really, is that we had, um, you need an L2. And the only thing, I would, I'm, I'm more than capable of running one of these events. Like, I, I know that. Like, I have no issue, but I, I'm not an L2. I can't run one of these um, PPTQs. Fine. Um, so it fell on you. And then our friend James, um, but you're both also very good players who like to play in magic events. Like, um, especially James, who's a big sealed guy. I, I think he's a what two top sixteens in in um, like GP sealed events, like in team events. Um, like, if there's a sealed event, he wants to be playing in it, not um, judging it. And because we only had you know essentially you two, I know we have other judges in the area, um, and if we bleed over to um, New Jersey, we have a lot more. If we go, if we think about, you know, we do have uh, Nicola de Pathwell who could theoretically judge a PT- PPTQ if he wants to, but he also judges Pro Tours, so maybe not the person you want judging a local PPTQ. Um, yeah, that's more of a reason you want him. I mean, for sure, for the for the legitimacy. I mean, like this is this is a real event, the time draft. We're doing it. He judged PPTQs in the area sometimes. Yeah, but like that was kind of a favor to people. It was not like he that was what he wanted to do. He was just like, "You guys are shorthanded. 
I got it. He's like, if you guys don't know Nicola, I think I, I think I've talked about a story with him before. Uh, Nicola is definitely one of those guys that you could imagine, um, like, yeah, it's time to call me in, and he would like have a cigarette out of nowhere and like throw it on the ground, and it would spark, and he would like squish it out with his boot, and then walk into a magic hall. Like he doesn't smoke cigarettes, just to <laughs> put that uh, squash that, but. That that's the kind of guy he is, where he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and it's get done, um, and he's really good. Like he's I think he's one of the best magic judges that I've had the the privilege of working with consistently. Um, so, quick Nicholas story. I might have told this one when you told yours, but it's it's very short and yeah. I think it's very good. So any new listeners can hear it. <laughs> um, we're judging at Eternal Weekend, and somebody um, like comes up to him. Uh, there's like an appeal or something. And, you know, Nicola's given his ruling and somebody points out in the rules, like, this is, this is like what the rules say. Like, <laughs> this is what the document says. Yeah. And Nicola just goes, the document's wrong. That's not what they meant. And they're like, how can you say that? It's the document. Uh, and he's like, whatever, go with like, the ruling you want, but it's not correct. So, you know, they stick with this other person's ruling. Uh, Nick's like, uh, or Nicola, sorry, he's like, I'm going to. I'm going to message them about this. And then like a week later, they updated the policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like this guy not only has pool, but like this, he's one of the most knowledgeable judges. Um, he is constantly, he's in the, like in, in the room where it happened to quote Hamilton. I've been watching, uh, rewatching Hamilton this week. Um, but he's constantly in the room where it happened. So like, if anything happens in the judge program, he's usually aware of it. Um, and more than likely he had something to say about it. So, um, and one of my favorite things about him too is he's not afraid to like make his opinion known. Yeah. Uh, and I know like some stories who won't have him for events anymore because he's rubbed them the wrong way, but like he was standing up for the right thing. Yep. Uh, like a hundred percent of the time, like speaking personally, there was uh, a judge who like said they were going to work with me back when I was in L1, but like didn't really want to work with me. Uh, Cause I was trying to move towards L2 and like mm-hmm. I was ready. Uh, but I literally just needed the events under my belt. Um, and like the store held so many events and just wouldn't staff me and would like staff any white judge, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of if they were good or bad. It's like, you should give people opportunities, but it was like, yeah. when I'm actively working for something, I'd like talk to you about it. Uh, and Nicola just straight up called them out on it. Mm-hmm. Plus, and, and, and once again, if, for those who haven't been in Mapson's events, like he's, he's an L2, he knows, he knows the rules, obviously. I'm sure you've listened to that during the show, like, he knows his stuff. I think he's a good L2. Um, so, it's, there There are definitely some issues that come up in the judge community, I mean, in any community, right? I think we're, I think 2021 and 2020 have been um, good reminders that most communities have, you know, um, tainted uh, elements of it. But, um, yeah, Nicola's always on the right side, which I always appreciate. So, yeah, the, um, but once again, like, Nicola does not need to be running PPTQs. Like, <laughs> this is... <laughs> Going yeah, back they're so good when he does. They are. <laughs> um, yeah, he actually ran a... Um, it was a PPTQ, yeah. He was... I was, like, standing in. He was, like, running late. I think he hit traffic or something like that, and I was planning on playing. So I got the event set up. And then um, we got to... Well, then we got... Oh, so he gets there, like, ten minutes before the it's supposed to, to start, and I was like, oh, man. I Like, okay, well, I'm excited to play. And I, like, look at my bag, and I'm like... I don't have my deck. All right, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this is at uh, Ultra Universe's um, 
So they're like, oh, we were going to give you free entry for playing. It's like, I appreciate that. I don't have a deck. Do you have a deck? And they're like, no. It's like, okay. I'm just going to go then. And they're like, here's some packs. Sorry about that. It's like, no, it's literally only my fault. <laughs> I shouldn't have done this. I I remember showing up without uh without decks for an invitational. That was terrifying. Gosh, I remember showing up for an invitational without a deck. That was that was the worst. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for me, it was I went to um, I went to go get breakfast at IHOP, and I like took my took my bag in with me because I was like, well, I don't I don't know this area that I'm in, so I don't want to leave like thousands of dollars worth of magic cards sitting in my car so i take it in with me i have it sitting next to me in the booth and i just left it and i hop and then drove to a different state <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> like a tournament where i was supposed to loan um uh, the the part one of the parts that concerned me the most was because like i got there and i realized and i called them and they had my bag um but i was supposed to loan cards to jerry thompson and oh gosh i had never met jerry thompson and I was, still kind of am, mm. uh, definitely a Jerry Thompson fanboy. So yeah. I was like, oh no, like <laughs> my my magic hero and I'm going to let him down. <laughs> so I had to not only find um, a standard and legacy deck for myself, but I also had to find like duels for Jerry Thompson. Gosh, the pressure. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, mine, well, I think I'd mentioned mine before. I got my legacy deck stolen. Um at a pre-release and didn't realize it until like the next weekend. Uh, I just assumed it was in my bag. So I got my death and taxes deck stolen and then had to play. I think I ended up playing painter, right? Or was it that you were playing on playing painter, but you scrubbed out of the standard portion of the, Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to play Delver, but I had never actually played Delver. I had never played painter either, but like it it seemed like a better option than, because I wanted to try to spike it rather than, do consistently because I think I want like one three in the standard portion or something. Yeah, like my that. standard deck was terrible. Yeah, mine was bad too. <laughs> we just should have played the red deck. That was that was the the mistake there. Um, I did play the Atarkus Command deck. I just did not play the deck that Atarkus Command was good in, which was my fault. I played Corsair Prefix, and I remember I played this Bant deck, and I thought it was cool. I think a lot of the cards in it ended up being good, mm-hmm. but they were not good in the configuration that I had. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, like, but that's one of those things, too. I think Corsair was one of those cards that was good in every deck that it was in, but it doesn't mean that every deck that played Corsair was good, <laughs> which took a while to, to figure out. Um, so we've like literally just been chit-chatting for like 40 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I think we have two options here. I think we continue chit-chatting for 20 minutes and call this the episode, possibly our best episode ever, or <laughs> we could talk about spoilers. Um, I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about spoilers. Let's talk about spoilers. Boo. I, I know. I'm the bad guy here. <laughs> but there's a lot of cool spoilers I think we need to at least like talk about just because they are pretty sweet. Um, and I think a lot of these ones are ones that are gonna, that are going to come up at some point, so it's probably better to talk to the, talk about them now rather than later. Or just let us be surprised. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do feel like they have been like a massive overload of um, spoilers lately. Like the number of things that we've seen, just like I don't I don't know about you, but I mean, it's just constantly spoiler season right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I am a noted spoiler season not fan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I do not blame you. It's just this has been, especially this year too, and I, I think maybe it's because we're not playing events, um, in in person at least, right? We're playing online. Um, that I just feel like it's just constantly like, oh, you can play with this soon. It's like, yeah, but like, aren't I currently playing with something that's like new? It's like, yeah, but not. It's different. Yeah, I just, I, I don't feel like we have time to digest the sets. Like, they come out, and I want to explore, like, okay, what's good now? Like, what's changed? How does that affect things? And I just feel like before you can really answer all those questions, it's different again. Uh, I mean, you can argue that keeps it interesting, but, like, honestly, like, I just, I want to break. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want to have my, I just want to do what I'm doing for, like, a couple months and then have it change, like, I'm all for a change. I like, mm-hmm. I like that the format evolves, but just you know, give me a bit of time. My big issue is like I, I feel like I finally understand what's happening, and then I feel like at some point it's just like, well, don't worry about that because that's gonna be obsolete in two weeks when this new set comes out. And you're like, I just, I just figured this out. <laughs> I, um, I just got found myself happy. Something I will say that is actually kind of cool. Uh, even though it kind of contradicts what I was just saying, okay. um, is the Legacy Pit Open is mm-hmm. the weekend that uh, Innistrad releases. Oh, okay. So it will be a new format, which which I like and don't like because it's one of those things where it's like, I kind of, like, I like the thought of heading down on Friday, but also, like, you need to be able to acquire cards. Yeah. Um, so, I like, I don't know if... Um, like, who, who knows if that set will actually affect things. Uh, thankfully, uh, my LGS, the, the manager for my LGS and I and you are all, like, pretty good friends. So, like, I'm sure he'll be opening boxes and I, w- I could likely get my hands on anything that we need right away. Mm-hmm. And I can bike there so I can always pick them up or he would bring them. But it's just, like, it stinks that, like, we have to plan for that. Yeah. But it also is cool that it will be, like, no one knows what's going to happen and there's going to be coverage for it. So it'll, it'll be nice being at like the first event with the set. Yeah. That was the one event um, that actually the event that I got my, had my deck stolen at or before rather um, we were opening fate reforged and literally it was Thursday night, open fate reforged wait around until midnight so I could buy product. It's like, yeah, like that's, very frustrating and like i i honestly believe if i weren't if i wasn't opening the product that i was going to then immediately buy i wouldn't have had card for the event like i just think it was because uh, I, I believe ugin sold out at that event anyway so it's not like i could have just picked them up from a from a dealer or something like that or from the booth from the um star city booth so yeah um you can also i think pre-order some of the cards with moose loot uh who's hmm. going to be running the event and they get they get a ton of product so presumably they will have everything but like you know, it's it's not a precise science. No. Um, there ends up being something busted, like, mm-hmm. if everybody is, like... Well, I mean, obviously it wouldn't be everybody, but, like, even if 25 players order a playset of a rare, like, they're going to run out, probably. Yeah, 15 people buy a Mythic, you know, a playset of a Mythic. Now it's, that's un, no, un, unobtainable, so... <sighs> yeah. All right, let's actually do this. We can do this. I believe in us. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. How, oh, so, quick behind the scenes, we had said this was going to be a shorter episode. <laughs> we spent five minutes talking about other things. <laughs> yeah. 
But, like, once again, I, I do think um, we haven't... I think, I don't know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think a lot of our episodes have been, like, you know, five, ten minutes of banter, and then we then we get, get into the nitty-gritty. Like, I think it's, it's actually good to see some of the stuff that's obviously important to us, and I think important, like, community... Uh, community aspects. So, I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, if the, as long as the viewers are okay with it. Yeah, I mean, well, listeners. Listeners, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm I mean, the only, well, I guess you and I are the only viewers. And yeah, <laughs> everyone else is listeners. They have to be good with it, because this is what we gave them, so. True. Plus, by the time they they get to this part, they've already listened to us talk for 30 minutes <laughs> a minute. So, like, they're already pot committed at this point. Okay. Um, do you want to get started with a card? Or do you want me to start with a card? Don't care. Either way, let's let's do this. All right. Let's talk about uh, one of the cards I think that came out pretty early um, in people, you know, talking about hype new cards. Um, talk about Wither Bloom Apprentice. So uh, Wither Bloom Apprentice was a black and a green for a two-two uh, human druid uh, with Magecraft. Uh, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Um, so the big, I guess, precedent to this, we'll, we'll start, I guess, historically, uh, is that Liliana, uh, or I guess, um, Professor Onyx, um, who is a, you know, a Liliana Planeswalker, uh, was previewed. And it has the magecraft of um, whenever you, you know, cast an instant or sorcery spell, uh, cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, um, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life, which is really sweet, especially when you combine it with something that allows you to cast as many copies as you want, such as Chain of Smog. Um, obviously, Liliana is a six-mana Planeswalker. Planeswalkers are actually pretty durable, I think, all things considered in Legacy. Um, but six-mana is not exactly where you want to be uh, when you're trying to cast that card. So they were, you know, that kind of sparked the discussion. Well, if they have Magecraft, um, if you have it at a lower cost... Maybe there's another another variant of this deck that we could build, but maybe Liliana's as good as they get. Um, but instead, they gave us Wizard Bloom Apprentice, which, for two mana, uh, combining that with Chain of Smog, is actually quite doable, I think. Uh, four mana total, it doesn't even need to be on one turn. Uh, does this seem like an option for you, Mapsum? Uh So, I've seen people talk about this. Uh, I actually saw Peter Vanderham played with this on 90s MTG. Um, I don't think the combo is particularly strong. Uh, one of the issues that a lot of people have noticed is with Chain of Smog, you uh, you know, you know, have this infinite combo, but you are discarding your hand. Mm -hmm. So your opponent can kind of wait um, until you don't have a hand and then interact with it. Mm -hmm. So that's um, not great <laughs> because you have nothing and you know they have stuff. But that being said, I mean, the card is actually just like powerful on its own. Yeah. Uh, like there was plenty of times you just put it into play and like cast a couple ponders, like cast some brainstorms, you know, a force of will here and there. It just did a lot of extra damage. So like, I don't, I don't know that it'll see much play, but I, I do think it'll pop up from time to time. And like, you know, if you're playing with like thought seizes and fail summers, like it's possible you could protect it before you go off. Mm -hmm. So. I, I, I think this is the kind of thing that, like, it'll pop up every now and again, but, like, it's not going to be anything you expect to see a lot. Like, it's not going to be, I, I like, I don't even know that it's going to be, like, tier two necessarily, 
but it's going to be something you're going to see it every once in a while, I think. And be like, oh, like, good for that deck. Shut up again. Yeah. Like, oops, all spells before we got the, the double face cards. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, and I think it's, it is a deck that appeals to, I think, to a certain demographic, right? Like, it is a combo deck that doesn't play blue necessarily, which I think is pretty sweet. Um, you can get this out on turn one if you, you know, have some combination of Dark Ritual, Lotus Petal, uh, Mox Diamond. Um, like, it, it is you know, very possible to get this out on turn one, which I think is um, really sweet. Um, I think the deck could be improved upon. Uh, and once again, I, I don't know the exact version you um, that uh, Van Ham was playing. Um, but I do think playing something like this along with... Um, obviously, you know, having access to a Brock Decay and Assassin's Trophy is good removal on your side, but I do think having access to something like Defense Grid uh, would make this deck a little bit more reliable, and since you, you're not necessarily planning on playing on instant speed, you're just trying to combo them out, um, having something like that proactively might be good. Um, if you're playing Defense Grid, that kind of opens the door for you having uh, more artifact mana, so you could play something like um, Mox Opal, um, you could play something like... Um, Wishclaw Talisman, and now you have a, a more reliable way to get your combo, a little bit of protection, and a little bit of acceleration. So that's the, the kind of shell I've been playing around with includes um, Defense Grid, um, T Wishclaw Talisman, and, and Mox Opal, and I, I think it looks pretty good. Uh, and once again, this is not quite my wheelhouse, so I, I could be a little off, but I think the deck seems like it has some potential there. So the thing you have to ask yourself with something like this is, what is this deck doing better than other combo decks? Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it is this two-card combo. The cards aren't particularly strong on their own. Like, it still loses to Force of Will just as much as any other combo deck. Like, you're talking about protecting it with Defense Grid, but, like, uh, if you want to play a Defense Grid deck, like, are you not better off playing Tess? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, like, I know that they died a different hate, but, like, Lightning Bolt, which is something that's much more common, is actually going to do something against this deck, whereas, like, typically not going to do anything in the past, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, yeah, very possible you're right that in, in a fair deck, maybe like a, like a Bug Delver type of deck, it actually has a better home where you can combine it with something like Ponder. Maybe you want to go play something like Painful Truth. And actually, I think Painful Truth seems really sweet where you get to cast it for three mana, um, you drain them for one, and then, you know, you lose three and draw three, and suddenly it's, you know... Minus one for your opponent, minus two for you, but also up three cards. That, that seems like a pretty good exchange. Can I point out you always think painful trees seem sweet? I love that card. I it see it should see more play, and it you know obviously it sees play in like Curse's Delver sideboards, but like it should just see more play. The card's so sweet. <sighs> Man, maybe we'll just play that in, in uh, modern, just like some green black. I don't know what the third color would be, but some weird value deck with with a blue apprentice. I don't know if you were oh, with Wither Bloom. I thought you were going to say with uh, with Painful Truths. Oh, yeah, uh, with Painful Truths also. That's the, that's the star of the show. I was going to say, I, I used to play Painful Truths in Legacy for a bit. Um, I don't know if you remember that. When I was playing Dash Shadow before it blew up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that deck was sweet. Mm -hmm. We were so close. We were so close to having the deck built right. Yeah. Um, I know, I, I think we mentioned this in the last episode, but Nick Cummings is like... A genius. A very good deck builder. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if he listens or not, but um, I got that list from him, and like we we put some work in it. And we were like, oh, I think we were like within ten cards of having like Rick's of Shadow cracked. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the it was a lot of the big stuff. Um, 
I know. I'm trying to think what it was. Because you added the um, probes. This is when probe was still legal. Yeah. So you added probes. Um, and the you added stubs, right? The stubborn denials. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But only I think we missed on the baubles. I think. Yeah, I don't remember having bauble. Yeah. Definitely had painful truth, which we didn't need. Didn't need. Um, I don't think we uh, had TBR either, but I could be wrong. I don't think we did. No, we we had it slightly more as a control deck that just had like this huge haymaker finish. Yeah. Um, and I remember people at our LGS like were laughing at me. They're like, "Why would you play a control deck that goes so low on life?" And I was like, "I don't know. It just murders people. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, like I'll stop when I, you know, stop winning. Like." Yeah, oh my gosh, that deck's so good. Okay, so next card. Uh, should we talk about the cycle? Uh, the, the, com- the commands? Yeah, sure. I like the commands. Uh, so, I mean, the commands have been out for a while. People likely know about them. Uh, if you're like me and avoid spoilers, you might not have really thought about them. But each of the, the colleges get one. Uh, so we can kind of ignore the Boros one because it's not good. Uh, we can kind of ignore the Orzov one, or I guess we should call them uh, by their new names. Yeah. Um, but I don't actually remember what the Boros one is called. Uh, Lorehold. Or Lorehold. It's literally on it. Yeah. So so we can ignore Lorehold Command and Silver Quill Command, but mm-hmm. I, I do want to talk about the other three. Sure. So uh, Prismari Command. Uh, it's one red, blue, and sent. Choose two. Uh, two damage to any target. Uh, target player draws two cards, then discards two cards. Target player creates a treasure token and or destroy target artifact. Um, so, like, this card seems pretty good to me. Uh, I think when it first came out, people were definitely overrating it. But I get, I can see this card seeing some play. Like, it's versatile. It does a lot. Um, something like draw two, discard two is actually pretty strong as a means of filtering. Like, we've seen that on Is It Charm, which has seen play on and off in Modern. Mm-hmm. And, you know... People have laughed at that card a lot, but like it's never been bad. It just isn't always great. Like there's often better tools. Yeah. Um, two damage to any target's pretty good. Uh, and like if you only need one mode, then you can kind of get like a rebate with your treasure token. Like uh, artifact destruction, I feel like isn't super relevant in modern. No. Uh, it's more relevant in legacy, but like when you want it, you want it. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, like, think it's a nice versatile card. I don't know how you feel about it. Oh, the same boat. I think I think it's definitely a better player in modern. Um, being able to blow up something like a um, GTA in Legacy is actually very nice. But I mean, just being able to, um, you know, be able to destroy a um, Aether Vial um, and be able to deal two to like a meddling mage, I think is a, is fine, right, for three mana. Um, I do also like the. The second ability, because it is target player draws two and discards two, so like you can combine it with something like Narset if you need to, um, and get that you know draw step, draw one more card and then discard. Um, actually, well, draw nothing and discard two, right? If you do it during the draw step, uh, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah, that the third mode though, where you get a treasure token, it's a weird card because I don't know why you want to have it be target player. Like it just seems like you would want to create a treasure token. Like I don't know why it's a target there. 
Um, uh, I think that's for just like EDH, multiplayer, uh, two edge giant, mm, you know, yeah. all those pre-releases that we're totally going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, but I do think that one definitely, definitely a player player in uh, modern. I think maybe in um, legacy it may have a harder time there, but it does kind of remind me of like just essentially the blue red. Um, Colin Gibbs command in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, so Quandrix command, aka the new Simic one, uh, choose to also cost one green blue. Uh, choose to return target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. Counter target artifact or enchantment spell. Put two plus one plus one counters on target creature and or target player shuffles up to three target cards from their graveyard into their library. I actually think this one is pretty good. I don't really feel like I've seen people talk about this, but I also don't really follow along to what people say about new cards. Well, my my thing is that it's definitely the most situational of any of the commands. Like, it's, um, I think being able to counter an artifact or enchantment is really powerful, um, especially out of a, out of a blue-green deck. Um, but also, you have to have it at the right time because you have to be able to counter it. It's not like necessarily destroy it. Um and I do think, obviously, putting two one-on-one counters on a creature is really powerful, but at the same time, like, it's going to be really powerful as a combat trick, which doesn't line up with when it's powerful as a, um, you know, as a counter spell. So a lot of these ones have just interesting timing, uh, where I think they all have times to be good, but they're at wildly different times, which actually might be good. Maybe, like, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong. Maybe it actually is, I, I'm going to counter your spell, plus my creature's going to get bigger as a bonus instead of um, these two modes are going to be both really good together. Like, once again, just comparing this to, um, like, Colgan's Command, I I think, because that's kind of the standard in my mind. I think all the modes are reasonable, where it's like, I'm definitely going to deal two damage to that, but, like, like, what else do I want with my candy? Um, I think maybe that's the way I should be thinking about uh, Quantrix Command. Yeah, I I don't know if this card will see play or not. I just think it could be good. I could see it, like, if there's ever, like, a blue-green ramp deck that we're playing in Modern, uh, probably not Amulet, but, mm-hmm. like, uh, anything... I think you would need to be a more land and creature-heavy version, like, but I could see playing this uh, in something where, like, you know, if you have a Mana Dork, putting counters on your Mana Dork is, like, kind of good. It, like, almost gives you a little bit of a threat, like, makes it relevant late game, but, like, you're just countering something you care about or, like bouncing something that's problematic like i can i can also see uh against like a heliod deck uh getting the chance to like counter heliod which is the enchantment spell mm-hmm. and then like bouncing a creature spin around like it just seems like it could be good i i don't think this will ever be more than like a one or two of it anything but i can see it getting some amount of play i could also see it seeing zero play whatsoever yeah um, but i don't know and then uh the third command to talk about Witherbloom Command uh, for one black and green, a sorcery, which is my least favorite line of text on the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, choose two, target player mills three cards, then you return a land card from your graveyard to your hand. Destroy target non creature, non land permanent with mana value two or less. Target creature gets minus three, minus one until end of turn. Target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. I really, 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 really wish this card was an instant. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it'd be too good as an instant. So I'm at this weird po- point where I'm like, I kind of think you can't play it as a sorcery, but I also think, like, as an instant, like, I would snap try this in depths. Oh, my gosh, yeah. 
I mean, like, like sorry, so go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it's just, it's pretty versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to, like, kill a creature uh, or, you know, anything with flow CMC, like, there's a lot of stuff it doesn't hit. Uh, and obviously it's counterable on, like, Abrupt Decay, but you do get, like, the upside of getting a second thing, and that's pretty good. Like, uh, you know, we typically don't play something like Loam, but having access to that effect isn't bad. And, like, if you're telling me I can get that Loam-like effect of, like, rebuying a Wasteland or a Dark Depths while also killing an opposing Delver, like, that's really good to me. But it's also not something I'm trying to tap out for at Sorcery Speed. That's, like... I want to leave mana up on my opponent's turn and see what they do, and then, you know, make my move. Or even just killing two things with this seems kind of insane. Um, and also, like, there's a lot of times where your opponents are at, like, 21 life, and you want to hit them for 20. Hmm. Uh, and you can just make them lose two and kill their blocker. Like, being able to put them from 21 back down to, like, 19 and kill their Ice Fang Quaddle, like, that seems great. Uh, so I really wish... I just really wish this card was an instant. I might try it as a one or two of anyways, but I don't think it'll be good enough. Um, but it's so close. Uh, and I know um, uh, Ali um, was also talking about playing this in lands. Uh, he brewed up a list where he was playing Mulch as a placeholder for now. But okay. like, I can see this in the more traditional lands build. And honestly, I can see this in just like Abzan or Jund and Modern. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I think in that deck, it's actually okay as a sorcery. Well, and that's still rather be an instant. But. Rather be an instant, but like I think being able to go like Reclaimer into you know Witherbloom Command into like Night of the Reliquary seems like a pretty decent curve. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how often you want to play this card on two because like, what are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it does kind of fix your mana if that's an issue, I guess. There's, I guess it fixes your mana. I mean, it lets you, um, you know, mill yourself and you know, hopefully, get more things in the graveyard, even if you don't need to fix. Because um, you do you have to. Oh, so you, you return it to your hand. Actually, I thought it, from my mind, I, I don't know why I thought you had to put the card on top of your library, but actually putting your hand just is just better. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I could see like playing this one too, and like something like Jund and mm-hmm. killing an opposing mana dork or an opposing like I don't want to say Confidax. That card doesn't really see play in modern. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even kill like an opposing Red and Six, and just yeah. like buy back a Fleshland. Like that seems pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I do think, yeah, it is it is not creature non land, right? So like. Um, for that ability. So, like, you can't kill... Oh, yeah. It. But, well, I mean, you, you can, can still... those with the minus three, minus one. Exactly, yeah. Like, that's that's still totally fine with, with me. Um, and it does actually kill, like, Sylvan Library, which is another one um, that I was kind of considering. Like, things that are kind of difficult to kill that you might want to in a deck like this. That's, this is a more... I guess that mode is, a, is very fair. Um, but being able to kill something that's a huge source of card advantage for your opponent, I think, is really nice. Yeah, I think that's. I think that is a definitely a player, like a player, something I would expect to be able to see, um, in in some way. Um, how about in this one? I'm a little, little, I guess, hopeful on, um, but ecological appreciation. Um, 
So if you haven't seen this card, it is an X, two, and green for sorcery. Um, search your library and graveyard for up to four creature cards with different names that each have mana cost X or less and reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards, shuffle the chosen cards into your library and put the rest of the, onto the battlefield and then um, exile ecological appreciation. Um, this card seems like it has so many possibilities, but at the same time, like, I don't know if it is good enough. That's what I'm like constantly um, thrown off on. Like, I think the card could be really busted in a, in a, in a deck, but I also maybe I'm kind of overthinking it too much. Um, We've seen so many variants of you know of this effect. Like this, in a way, does remind me of Court of Calling. It does remind me of Finale of Devastation. It does remind me of Collected Company. Uh, but it also does obviously have the parallel to Gifts and Given. Like that's the I think the closest thing that this effect we have is. But even with Gifts and Given, the, they go into your hand in the graveyard. These actually put them directly into play. So I'm interested to see you know if I were to cast this card for, you know, X equals three, right? Six mana total. Like, does that actually let me win the game? Or is that just going to be, you know, just a huge value machine 90% of the time? And am I okay with that? Yeah, I'm not sure where it'll, uh, what decks this will end up in. I also think it could see, I definitely think this could see play modern. I don't know of a game ending combo off the top of my head, but like, I can think of some pretty devastating piles for you would just S equals three uh, and like very easily see the sliding into the Heliod deck as a one or two of people have gone up to five mana for Archangel of soon. Mm-hmm. This is obviously um, you would need to go up to six mana to make this good, but you know, that might be worth it. And it might not be, but like people whiff on collected company all the time, knowing that you're going to get two good hits is like pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, I'm just trying to, if you, maybe you, like, if you have Heliod out, and this is the kind of the thing that changes the calculus, right? If you have Heliod out, um, you're not going to willingly give your opponent uh, something like, uh, uh, I guess, Spike Feeder and, um, I guess, really Spike Feeder and anything, right? So, like, that's at least one card that you're definitely not getting, but then you have three other ones, so, like, how well can you make the other three cards there that it's okay. So, like, maybe that's good. Uh, even even something like Elves, realistically, right? Yeah, doing it for, like, X equals 2 or X equals, you know, maybe is X equals 3. Like, that could still be worth a lot of power. Um, maybe that's fine. Um, I was thinking, actually, Spirits might be an option, too. Um, especially if you're combining with something like Teferi. So you could have it, uh, you know, plus to fairy and a turn, and then cast it, um, and then go get a couple lords or something like that would be really powerful. Okay, so this isn't going to be tier one, I don't think. Well, it's definitely not. But I wonder, actually, uh, we had talked. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the cast, but you and I personally have talked about it like a long, a while ago when um, God, I can't even think of the name of the card. I think it was when Modern Horizons came out. Uh, we talked about like uh, playing red green or Jun goblins with um, oh yeah, stupid combo card Grim Grim Gully? Is that it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's Grim Gully. It's something like that. Um, the, the red like, green one from um, not not Kaladesh, but from um, I, Throne of Eldraine. Uh, but playing this for like a total of seven mana, like four uh, 
like x equals four um you might be able like you could probably always kill in that deck like if you if x equals four um getting some combination of cards and like you can kind of get up mana and that kind of shell by playing like skirk prospector yeah yeah it's it grum gully the generous um yeah like you could definitely yeah you could definitely get the mana like that and i guess if you're if you're talking about in in like modern um because you do have prospector you do have um enough like haste creatures and you do have access to something like um i can't remember the four mana um what's it called the four mana it's big and historic um the taps that makes goblins um Jeez, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not a historic podcast. I'd be embarrassed. Um, but yeah, there's, I guess in Goblins, there, there could be a lot of different things there that, that might be really good. Um, and actually being able to just get up, you know, just a bunch of value creatures with that would be really solid. Like yeah. just getting um, the two mana um, creature would be super solid. Or just paying three and getting lords, like mm-hmm. a lot. Like it, it's definitely no um, what's that? The stupid um, Moxus. Moxus, yeah, definitely no Moxus. But like, we're not gonna get access to that. That's not happening. So this could be the next best thing. Okay, let's move on to another card. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna pick one that uh, I don't have a lot to say about. We can move on from this one pretty quick, but uh, Venerable War Singer. One red white, uh, the spirit cleric. It's a three three. Uh, it's got vigilance and trample, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you may return target creature card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the amount of damage Venerable War Singer dealt to that player. First, the cards in the set have way too much text. Oh my gosh, yeah. That was a lot. It's like a dissertation. Um, more, <laughs> more to the point. Um, this could see play in modern um, it's definitely not going to see play in legacy i don't want to say definitely because strange things have happened but uh every now and again winota pops up in the modern five o's um people have played like this red white kind of death and taxes e build with winota it's typically a yorion deck um but i can see this sliding into that kind of shell and you know that's not something we see a lot of but it is something that sees play so i always think it's kind of interesting to note cards that slide into these like strategies that are like kind of there but just not quite Mm -hmm. Uh, because any upgrade you never know when it will be the one that pushes it over and i'm not saying that this will be it but just you know i think it's something to keep an eye on i I do think this card is actually really interesting too because it is a spirit cleric so i wonder if you combine it with other spirits like you combine it with something sky clear operation i would be pretty solid um, also combining it with, uh, as I say, remorseful cleric. Um, that's not the one I'm thinking about though. The the two the one the two one flyer that when you sacrifice it makes your creatures indestructible. Uh, selfless spirit. Selfless spirit. Like I think that's actually a really kind of stupid combo, right? You just you're attacking in your opponent really can't get a profitable block there because your creatures are indestructible anyways. Um, you get to attack in, you sack it because you need to, and then you are able to buy it back potentially because, you know, if they don't block properly, like, I think that could be really good. So maybe there is, like, an aggressive, um, like, kind of red-white spirit stack. Uh, and once again, maybe that's not the best thing you could be doing. But I do think there's enough spirits um, 
you know, necessarily, not necessarily with, with flying, right, but enough spirits where maybe this card has an ability in some kind of tribal-based deck. There's there's a lot of spirits and clerics in this uh, in this set. Mm-hmm. And like one of the you know, bonuses or I guess features is that there are a lot of things that pump up spirits specifically. Um, so maybe there is some kind of deck there that um, you know just because it's not a headliner, right? Maybe there is a, a deck here that could be some kind of red white aggressive deck. Yeah, it's definitely one I'm interested in. Um, what about if I can find the right one? Because um, I like this card a lot. The uh, Clever Lumin... Lumin... Lumimancer. That's such a hard... I, I want to say Luminancer, but like that's not actually the name. It's Lumimancer. Okay. Clever Lumimancer. Um... So it is uh, Magecraft, one of you, cast, uh, so white for a zero one, um, human wizard, uh, one of you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, Cliver Lumamancer, uh, gets plus two plus two until on the turn. Um, so it's in that same camp as like Wither Bloom Apprentice, the cheap creature that benefits off of you casting instant or sorceries. Um, really what I'm thinking about it is that it's not a you know, combo creature like that, but it, it's basically just uh, Monastery Swiss Spear in, you know, I think you're so used to having Monastery Swiss Spear on one, and then being able to, um, you know, maybe have multiple, or maybe you have your Soul Scar Mage on one, you followed up with the um, Soul Scar Mage, or the Swiss Spear on turn two, but maybe it's just like playing Clever Lumimancer, uh, and then just playing Swiss Spear. And then just casting a you know a stupid amount of instant sorcery there, having like a red white aggro deck instead of just like mono red or, or red uh, blue or something like that. Yeah, I mean I've seen a lot of lists for that floating around already. Uh, while we're talking about this card, I also want to shout out another card that's kind of similar, uh, Lean In Light Scribe. Probably not quite as good, but uh, two mana, two two, Maytraft. Um, gives all creatures plus one plus one uh, so i've seen a lot of the shells for both of these decks um and like they do just kind of look like basically the mono red prowess decks but splash and white you get like access to one or both of these cards plus path exile mm. um, seems like the kind of thing that's going to heal a lot of damage i i imagine that it'll be a player it's probably one of those things where it's like one is not quite better than the other but like they're better for uh certain metagames yeah my feeling, but definitely going to see a lot of this card uh, the first couple days of the new set. I mean, I'm going to be one of the people playing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this is this is, sure this is my too. alley. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it's definitely not what I'm known for, but I, I do like getting in there with like the very aggressive decks every now and again. Oh yeah, yeah. You had that. Um, I think we've talked about that before too. You had the one deck that was playing. Um, what was it called? I'm, like, terrible at names today. This is like just not my day. Um, you had the one deck you were playing, actually, with Dreadhor Arcanist, um, the red-green aggro deck you were playing for a little bit, and, like, I actually think you trophied with it a couple times. I think that might have been my first deck that I trophied with. Uh, <laughs> let me do a quick search. It was not the first deck I trophied with, but, yeah, my first... The first modern deck I trophied with was, like, just a red-green, like, get-em-dead deck. Mm-hmm. 
That deck was sweet. What three times? Playing Dreadheart or Arcanist with um with Scale Up. Oh my god, you scale feel up. so much there damage. Yeah, card the beating. All these cards are still legal. You should just play it again. You should. Um, but I think with this deck too, because once again, it's kind of like my big question is like, well, what kind of red and white spells do you want, or what decks, do, what spells do you want to play in order to enable this? But like, I really just want to keep playing the the red spells I was already playing. Like, I'm okay casting, um, you know, Metamorphos because I think that card's obviously busted. Um, I'm okay just casting um, Crash Through because that card is stupid. I'm okay ca crashing. Um, Crashing. I'm okay casting um, Lava Dart, especially in this deck, because I think um, being able to attack for, um, you know, deal six damage off of a uh, Lumamancer and a Dart is kind of stupid. Um, and I do think that also pop opens the possibility where maybe you do want stuff like um, uh, TBR, because I think TBR gets better if you can make your creature pretty huge pretty quickly. Um, and I think... Lumamancer makes that a little bit more of a possibility. Uh, it's just easier to cast and get a, a huge creature. Uh, maybe not. Very possible you don't want it in this type of deck, but uh, I do think it's definitely something to consider. I do wonder if there's any, like, really... I mean, you said Path to Exile, which I think is a, it's a sweet one, but I wonder if there's any other, like, white spells that I really w would want to be casting in that type of deck. Um, nothing comes to mind offhand. Uh, I mean, Boros Charm could be pretty good in that deck. Mm -hmm. Oh, giving it Double Strike, potentially? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. I want to say Dawn Charm, not because I think Dawn Charm's good, but just it's one of my favorite cards that sees zero play. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is not a good reason. No, it's not. Definitely not. Um, so, you know, probably don't play Dawn Charm, but if you do play Dawn Charm, Feel free to tag me in that Twitter post. Well, I will give you credit. The one thing crazy. that is actually really nice here is that this is a human wizard, so maybe you could play um, like the the wizard lightning bolt uh, from Dominaria. Um, uh, Wizards lightning. Yeah, wizards lightning. So maybe that's the possibility here, um, especially when you combine it with this. I know um, the uh, monster mentor is a monk. So it's not a wizard, but Soulscar Mage is a wizard. So maybe that's enough wizards where it's like not terrible. It doesn't sound great the more I say it out loud, but I feel like eight wizard probably isn't the right number to cast wizard's lightning. Man, now I just want to play Dominaria Limited. Thanks a lot, Billy. That's a great format. It, it, oh God. Yeah, I know. Man, I actually really this is, uh, before we go on our on a long aside here. I actually have been playing a lot of. Um, Throne of Eldraine Limited. That's actually probably one of my favorite limited formats, I think. And yeah, I didn't play much of that. Gosh. Um, I was mad because I was trying to play some Time Spiral Limited on, on Moto, and I was just, like, in the queues for, like, ten minutes, and one other person signed up to draft, and then they dropped. I was just like, I just want to draft. Yeah. It's like, this format's sweet. Um, okay, um... I'm going to have to go soon, but let's get a couple more cards in before that happens. Yeah, sure. You want to do, like, like one more each? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, so let's see. I guess it's my turn to pick one. It is. Hmm. Which do I want to pick? There's so many options. I'm going to talk about Baleful Mastery, because I'm mad that this card exists, so <laughs> why just you, acknowledge it. Why are you mad that it exists? 
It's, it's like a fair card. You know what? Whatever. <laughs> uh, so, green and black for an instant. Um, and I do like this mechanic that they're doing. They're doing this thing where uh, you can pay the card's normal mana cost, or you can pay uh, a reduced mana cost that gives the opponent a benefit. So for this, uh, you can pay one in a black instead of its actual mana cost. But uh, if you do, your opponent draws a card. And it is just, it exiles target creature or planeswalker. Okay. So I actually think this is a pretty, pretty sweet design for a number of reasons. Um, I really like that it's giving black an answer for planeswalkers that's actually cost efficient. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, black could previously answer planeswalkers uh, with things like Frasca's Mastery. Uh, I think that's the name of the card. Wrath right? of Contempt. Yeah, that one. Wrath mm -hmm. of... Oh, yeah, Mastery is this card. Wrath mm -hmm. <laughs> Contempt. And there was another card that was basically that. Uh, also cost four mana exile. Uh, a plane mastery or creature. But this is... Getting to play it for two mana is a huge, huge difference. And I've seen Vraska's Contempt see uh, a very French amount of play before mm -hmm. in Modern... Um, but being able to play it for two mana, I think, is a huge difference. And people have talked about, like, oh, well, the drawback is too big. But, like, you know, I would much rather my opponent have a card in hand than a Planeswalker in play. Yeah. So I think you can give up a little bit of, of that tempo game for the ability to actually answer their permanent that's going to take over things. Uh, this also gives Black a much better answer to Merit Lage than they've had previously. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know they've had Edicts before, but, like, it's not that hard to play around Edicts. No. It's much harder to play around direct removal. Um, I also think it, it's really nice in the format where, you know, we're still trying to figure out exactly how do we deal with Uro. Like, it just, it just exiles Uro. Um, which actually kind of makes me wonder, does this card have ex Exile because they were playing on the Titans being good in standard so they were like well, we'll make sure we can exile them probably um but i mean standard is neither here nor there i guess for this um but i do think it is nice that we in legacy at least now have an answer to uro that we can cast reliably and you know at instant speed too i think this is one of those cards that very easily could have been a sorcery and i think people would have been like I, I guess but yeah like you said being able to be an instant actually makes it a reasonable answer for um, opposing merit leeches, which I think is important. It's definitely not important to have an answer for merit leeches. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Okay, my bad. Yeah. Definitely not important. Just let them you resolve. Actually, any answers you have for that card, you should probably just take out of your deck. You don't need that Brazen Borrower. You definitely don't need those Submerges. Oh, gosh. Just none of it. Yeah, yeah. Or you can play Force Submerge if you want, as long as everyone agrees to play Force Submerge. Just as long as there's a consensus, so we know what's going on. Reasonable. Ah, uh, man. Yeah, so I think this is definitely a really interesting card. I, I do kind of wonder if people are going to play this um, along with, I know I, I think I've mentioned this before, but along with Narset being able to um, have your opponent um, you know, draw a card, but not actually be able to draw a card, I think would be really neat. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty reasonable. Like, uh, one kind of does give you a reason to play the other. Mm -hmm. And Narset finding this is really good, obviously. You know, blue black and Esper control are like playable strategies in modern. So. Yeah. And plus, for what it's worth, too, if you're doing that, it does play around um, Inquisition of Kozilek, which I think is really neat. Also, super frustrating. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's Brazen Bar and plays around duress, though, so at least... Yeah, that... We don't need to talk about how much I hate Brazen Borrower. I'm pretty sure everyone already knows. Uh, yeah, but it's fun. Um, all right. Um, uh, let me do one last one. Um, and I, I do think this is actually really interesting just in terms of um, kind of what it opens the door for. Um, and this is still in the same vein of Black having um, instant speed removal uh, for Planeswalkers. Um, so this is Fracture. So it's a white and a black... Uh, for an instant, uh, destroy target artifact, enchantment, or planeswalker. Um, and it, there obviously are a lot of two-mana white instant answers for artifacts and enchantments, right? I think Disenchant is obviously one of the uh, poster childs for that. Poster children? Poster child. Yeah, for that. Um, but I think being able to... Them saying, yeah, artifact, or enchantment, or planeswalker, I think is really neat, because being able to exile a planeswalker just... Straight up, no questions, no qualms for two mana, I think is a really nice thing for a black-white deck to be able to do, um, especially when we're talking about in, in Modern or Legacy. Yeah, I mean, this card is huge. Um, it's just so good. Because, like, before, the best answer in these colors was, like, uh, Council's Judgment for Legacy, and mm -hmm. who knows for Modern. So yeah. having something that is... Like, two versus three mana is such a huge difference, and instant speed versus sorcery speed is such a huge difference. I think this card is really going to power up Esper strategies, mm -hmm. which you could argue didn't even need that much powering up in Modern or Legacy. No, I think they're, I think they're reasonable options in both. Um, but like we were talking about this a little earlier, right? I think Snapcaster Mage is a card that does not have as much play as it probably should. I think that that, could, uh, that card should see more play, and maybe we just haven't found the right deck for it. Um, but this maybe makes that a little bit better, being able to, you know, end a turn Snapcaster, Fracture, um, you know, your Artifact Enchantment or Planeswalker. Like, that's, that's massive, being in a turn, um, I'm going to Fracture your, um, you know, five minute to Fairy. Like, that's a huge tempo swing. So I'm, I'm interested. I, hopefully this card ends up seeing a little bit of play. And like you said, uh, I think the obvious home would be something like um, an Esper control deck. Uh, but maybe we do see something like this in uh, the sideboard of like humans or something like that too, which could you know support a, a black-white spell like this. Yeah, so definitely definitely interested in this. It's funny because we were talking about the, the Esper Mentor deck earlier, and like this card's definitely oh. going to slot right into the sideboard of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a cool one. All right, is there anything else you want to talk about? Or you just want to start wrapping up? No, I think we're good to wrap up. Cool. All right. Um, I was say, do you want to tell a story this week? I guess we spent the beginning of this telling multiple stories. I mean, yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> I think we're good too. All right. Um, well, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Expedition Map on Twitter and at Expedition Map on Twitch. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at BadLuckBandit. If you're interested in contacting the show, we are at Depth underscore Podcast. And once again, just thank you guys so much for um, joining the show, listening to us every week, week in and week out. And obviously you guys are enjoying our stories uh, and listening talking, um, listening to us talk about magic, which you know I think is really cool. And we're happy you guys are joining the show. Um, if you do want to email us and tell us about how much you enjoy the show um, or about how... Um, you know, what your favorite Strixhaven card is or what deck you're going to play as soon as it comes out, uh, feel free to email us at depth 
under uh, depth underscore podcast. Nope, that's not right. Let's try this again. At nope, that's not. There's no at. This is an email. Dark depth pod <laughs> at gmail dot com, uh, and we will answer your email as as uh, quickly as possible. Um, and just you know, tell you whether your deck is good or bad. We give pretty good feedback. So, all right. Also, yep. We never mentioned this, but you should uh, like and subscribe our videos on YouTube. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just put a new one out. Uh, go check it out. I'm past overdue to put one out. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, hopefully you guys are, seem to be enjoying the the videos too. And I, I definitely need to, I guess, start trying to advertise the, <laughs> my videos a little bit more. But yeah, I, yours have been really really good. I'm just trying to keep up to the quality that you have. Yeah. Well, I'm great. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Uh, I'm working on it. I just got to practice a little more. Uh, But, all right. I guess I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. All right. Bye.